1: Hello uh, my name is Mark Machado and I've been tasked by the school to speak to a selection of OPs who've had success in their chosen career paths. Today I'm very uh, lucky and privileged to be joined by theatre director Damien Sands. Damien thank you for joining me today.
2: Pleasure it's lovely to hear be here with you. What exactly does a theatre director do? So you are kind of in charge creatively of the project Um, my work uh, has several different angles to it so sometimes I'm uh, directing my own work uh, and so have sort of like the artistic freedom uh, and creativity to do that working with a bunch of people Um, I also work um, as a resident director which kind of means uh, that I stay attached to a production for a period of time Um, most Uh, shows that I've done them for have been for like uh, a year 18 months so you kind of know the show inside out you work with all the understudies uh, you might move the show from theatre to theatre around the country um, and kind of maintain the quality of it for your audiences that come and see it. Oh wow so what shows have you worked on so far? So uh, I've worked on the West End uh, production of The Kite Runner uh, and its international tour uh, Gary Barlow and Tim First Calendar Girls, the musical, um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's the one I was in the middle of working on um, when uh, lockdown happened. So uh, uh, it's kind of uh, all a bit up in the air at the moment. Oh, no. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to do a real... Variety of work uh, along the way to keep it interesting and varied. Yeah, so you you know you've got stuff. You know,
1: it doesn't get much more different from you know go from the kite runner to Priscilla, right? So how <laughs> how do
2: you how do you choose your projects, or do they choose you? I used- the project chooses you, um, which might be from people that have worked with you before uh, and coming to ask you to be part of the team. Uh, Other times there are um, shows that you really want to do or become part of. Um, Just before the Kite Runner came along, I'd uh, done a few years pretty hardcore on musicals and so i knew i really wanted to do a, a heavy duty play uh, at that point uh so the kite runner at that point was uh was brilliant to immerse myself in for 15 months uh, and then coming from that it was lovely to go from there to calendar girls which again was a very different type of show uh and so i think it's uh constantly evaluating what you're doing and then kind of going where can you find the balance where can you find something to make this a bit varied that's that sounds really interesting
1: so how did, how did you get into becoming a theatre director what was your path into into your into where you are now
2: um it's quite a uh, unique actually so when i was uh, younger I always did um, I was always interested in performing uh, I did a lot of uh, youth theatre I did the plays at school uh, and so on uh, and I kind of thought that eventually I would want to become a performer uh, but I knew that I really wanted an English degree first um, so I kind of went to university did that um, and whilst I was there I found myself um, directing uh Guys and Dolls um and the moment I found directing I went oh this is a bit more me um and I didn't really know how you'd go about doing that as a career or anything Uh, and Cameron McIntosh uh, came to give a talk on producing at university and looking back on this I have no idea how I actually did this but at the end of it I just waited until he was standing by himself and went over to talk to him uh and we talked for about 20 minutes wow. and just near the uh just at the end of it um I said do you do any kind of work experience or anything uh and he said write to my office put this name at the top and I'll it will end up on my desk and I'll remember you uh and I, I so thought that was just a line that he spun out, but the next day I did it anyway. Uh, and a week later, I had a letter inviting me to come to the first day of rehearsals for his brand new musical at the time, The Witches of Eastwick. Wow. Uh, and I basically went in at uh, all of the key points of the rehearsal schedule and watched this brand new musical be put together, which was incredibly fascinating to see because I'd never really thought about how a show came to being. Uh, and watching that process was incredible. Um, So that kind of started my mind um, sort of ticking over that, oh, this could be nice to do as a job. Uh, And similarly, then the second show I directed at university was a show called Honk, um, and the writers happened to come and see it, um, and they stayed in touch afterwards, and the National Theatre was just about to put that out on tour. And so they actually put me on that as assistant director. Uh, and so again, fascinating experience to watch. A very different experience. Um, and that kind of made me go, "I'd really love to do this as a career, but you know, it's not very practical. I've got my finals exams coming up. I've got to do loads of work on that. Um, I'll just take a year out and work out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life." Um, and I actually took a teaching job at that point, um, at a boys boarding school in Edinburgh, which was looking for someone to teach English with a particular interest in drama. And I thought, well, that sounds okay. Um, I have long holidays, I can keep working in theatres, uh, and so on. So I went off to do that. And I thought it would only be for a year. Um, and then at the end of that first year, they actually made me head of drama. So I ended up staying for four years at that school. Um and it was a very rugby orientated school. Um they had a theatre, but they never really used it. there was one production every two years. Or Sounds so. like
1: another school, I know. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> um and uh by the time I uh I got to the end of that four years, um there was a production every term. We utilized drama at every stage of the school. Um and uh and lots of different projects rather than just the kind of traditional uh, plays they used to do. Uh, so on. Now, amongst all of those four years, every holiday, I was spending taking a show to the festival uh, with my own company or working in a theatre somewhere. And I was getting more and more into that side of it. And I thought, this is really what I want to do. And... Uh, at one of the Edinburgh festivals, uh, a producer saw one of my shows and offered me a directing job from that. Wow. And it's, again, hard to think now that this is how it all began. But I decided at that point to chuck in my full-time teaching job for essentially a seven-week contract in London uh, on a show. Um, but then I ended up working on that show for pretty much a year and a half um uh, it was a show called news review which is the longest running live comedy show in the world um it updates itself every week and is based on the latest news so it was constantly ever-changing you had to think so quickly on your feet um and i just absolutely loved doing that um and just near the end of that year and a half i kind of thought right i know i definitely want directing to be my career and so i can't stay in this job forever i've got to take the leap so i then joined a directing scheme at run by the young vic theater and i did a year of new writing um uh, looking at uh, lots of new plays that were coming out and shaping those uh, then i kind of um went back into musicals for a bit uh and worked on the national tour of oklahoma and that year um was 2010 uh worked on that national tour i directed a revival uh a fringe theater in london um i got my agent for the first time it was a really fantastic year of work and i thought right okay this is it um it's all going right and then the next year was a terrible year of work and (laughs) um uh and sort of I got quite stuck in a rut at that point because the thing about directing is that there is no clear career path and there's no set way of how you get a job uh, and you're very much finding your way with it all Uh, and so I kind of got obsessed a bit with the idea of um, things that I thought were important of the next steps to take and made all of my kind of uh, trying to make things happen based around that rather than just continue to make work and do what I wanted to Um, and I kept getting to the final two um, in interviews for jobs um, and not getting them because I didn't have the experience but then going well how do you get the experience if you don't get the job and so on and it kind of just went in circles so at that point I decided to take a year out um, and I did an MA at Arts Ed Drama School um, which was uh, it's fancy title was creative practice in musical theater and it was for directors musical directors and choreographers and it didn't teach you how to do any of those things you had to have done them already but it kind of made you really look at what you were doing and why and the craft behind it and that year was really influential in shaping the rest of my career because it totally made me look and discover my way of working and my style of directing um and just gave you the confidence to talk about it and why you were doing things um and so from then on it completely changed the the level of work that i was doing um and that kind of set me off onto the uh the kind of shows that i've done in the last few years as well
1: wow um there's there's that's quite a comprehensive kind of, you know, path of, of way, where, where you've got to. Can I take you right back to the beginning? You, you talk about yeah. talking to, you know, a chance meeting with Sir Cameron McIntosh and, and chatting to him and kind of, you yeah. know, the networking you did around that. How difficult was... You would have been, what, 18, 19 at that point? That's right, yeah. How difficult was that
2: to do, to go and speak to, you know, somebody who's basically
1: the top person in your field, right?
2: The thing is, I don't... In my mind, I don't really remember even taking a second to think about it. I think I just went, just go and do this, Um, which is so hard to think now. Uh, uh, I think that must have been a little bit of uh, youthful confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Are Are you still in touch with him? Um, yeah, we um, are paths cross uh, in the theatre world um, and um, he's uh, a very lovely man. He always remembers me uh, back from that first time uh, many years ago now. Um, and uh, and that's the thing, because the, the theatre world is so, um, doesn't have these logical paths and so on. Um, everyone kind of has a similar story and is so willing to help people and have chats with them because you can remember what it was like all those years ago and yeah. trying to find your way into it. Yeah.
1: That's good to hear, right? That people, you know, other people in your industry are in effect rooting for you and everyone's got the same kind of, you know, I want to say path, but that's not quite right, is it? But you know, that's the same issues of trying to get into what they do, what they want to do, I suppose. Yeah.
2: And, and really no two people's story are, Identical, yeah. but they're so similar. Everyone's got sort of like a similar encounter, or as a, just a, something which seems like such a quirk of fate, kind yeah. of thing. But ultimately, just comes down to people being kind and talking to you, um, and uh, and things like that. Like, isn't it? It sometimes theater show business has this reputation for being sort of very cutthroat and very um, uh, very backstabbing uh, and so on, and. And actually, that's not really the case. People are so supportive of each other and willing to communicate and talk uh, and do things because uh, it's so hard at times, and so you want to uh, to be able to help people uh, in their way through. You talked about
1: becoming a teacher, uh, uh, you know, yeah. for a few years up in Edinburgh. Was was you know when you look back at that time now? I mean, do you think that was a vital part to get where you are now? Or could you have gone straight into the theatre?
2: I think it was definitely right for me to do at the time. Um, When I was growing up and thinking about becoming a performer, I remember the one piece of advice that everyone said everywhere was uh, if you can imagine yourself doing something else, you have to do the something else because you have to be so single minded that it's what you want to do because it is tough at times. Um, And I think by doing. The other job first, it really convinced me that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And that uh, kind of helped in some of those times when it was difficult to get a job to keep going uh, and find ways of making it happen. Um, and also, without a doubt, that those four years of teaching definitely gave me some of the, uh, the skills that I needed as a director as well. Um, i mean because when i started teaching i'm an august birthday so i'm so young in the year um i was just 21 and a half i think um and i was teaching 17 year olds um and uh and so going in standing in front of them delivering lessons and so on um you had to have quite a lot of, uh, we well, had to find quite quickly quite a lot of confidence, confidence. to do that, yeah. and the authority to uh, to do it, and that all feeds into what you do in the theatre world as well.
1: Interesting, interesting. And then uh, you talked about you know getting you know having a not so good twenty eleven and being in a bit of a rut. Yeah, how difficult was that to get through?
2: Um, I think it's it was frustrating at the time because you know you uh. I wanted to keep going, particularly after 2010 felt such a brilliant year um, and that everything was starting to align together. Um, I I had some wonderful cornerstones of some jobs throughout the year um, that sort of filled my time. And then it was just trying to search and find projects that you could do to keep your creativity going that may also lead to other things and so on. Um, and so it wasn't all bad, but um, it definitely kind of, Uh, helped develop kind of a perseverance almost, like keep going and also...
1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals
2: like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Trying a sense of having to create your own work as well. Um, You couldn't just rely on uh, a, well, how you get a job is going up for an interview and you get it. Or uh, someone will pick up the phone and ask you to do a show. No, you've got to be more proactive than that and look at things that you can do to keep it ticking over or bring your work to the attention of others.
1: So have you got plays that you want to work on, like, you know, that you
2: aspire to get onto now or. There's always a bit of a list uh, of things uh, ticking over in your mind. It's uh, you kind of have this sort of top five of shows that you want. You always want to do partly because you always get asked that question in interviews. Um, But (laughs) Uh, but then also it's a kind of sort of uh when you see one of them get announced uh, that someone else is doing it and you go right can't do that for another seven years or so uh and so this constant sort of shuffling around of things uh and so on Yet, yeah, um it's uh my list is quite varied actually um because i i absolutely love doing musicals um it's one of my key passions but I only love musicals when they are done correctly and uh, that the acting is right at the forefront of it. So to make sure I do that in my work, I like to do a variety of things. So um, my across my gear, I'll uh, have a musical, a play, a pantomime, a comedy show, uh, all sort of on the go. Wow. Uh, and my my list kind of reflects that. I've got a very serious, intense play, I've got quite a different comedy I've got a very traditional musical I've got a really new musical um it's that kind of that's what uh keeps the job from ever getting boring because can you can, you tell, us, you, can you tell us your list <laughs> well I my uh one of my favorite ever plays is um 12 angry men um it's uh, such a brilliant play uh it's all set in real time uh and uh it's about a jury deciding whether a 16-year-old boy is guilty or not guilty of killing his father. Uh, And the whole thing gets debated in real time. Um, The thing that makes it so beautiful um, for a director is the script has no detail about the characters. Uh, They're just called Jura 1, Jura 2, Jura 3, etc. And there's no character description of them. You have to get everything from the dialogue. Um, and piece together what their characters are um, and it so it's it's really fascinating um to look at and and it requires so much work which is wonderful so you've got um, a bit for freehand there which is why you, yeah you like it right it's a lot of absolutely. your own interpretation that's it um you're not bound by anything it's completely on your kind of deducings from from the text which is wonderful um so i've always wanted to do the that show um i have a there's a bit of me that always want uh, has wanted to do something like the sound of music um which is such a classic musical everyone knows it um for kind of the opposite um that it's not a show that you have to go this is my stamp on it this is my take on it it's it's just there it's brilliantly written and so you can just be really faithful to the text itself um and tell the story um you don't need to do anything fancy with it um so there's something about that which really appeals uh and then they kind of uh go on from there really Hmm. oh brilliant um my favorite musical is uh les mis
1: yeah would you ever fancy a go
2: at doing that um i adore les mis it was one of the first things i saw growing up i knew every word of it inside out um, and uh, I have a continual succession of friends that go into the cast, so I'm always seeing it, to see them. Um, in one sense, I would, but the other, I don't know what I'd do with it, because the piece is so brilliant, the production is so amazing, um, and particularly that there's two productions now, there's the original one with the revolve, and that it's just been superseded by a new staging of it. You kind of go i don't know how i would bring anything to it at the moment like um that's the thing about directing you can't just go this is a great show so i must do it because i love it there's got to be a way that you see that you could do something with it that no one else has done and with that show i just don't know what it is so i think i'm better watching that one <laughs> fair
1: fair uh you talk about pantomime as well um can you tell us a little bit about panther because i'm a bit fascinated by it right because it runs for what six weeks december into january and more or less a huge i was gonna say more or less everyone but that's not quite right is it a huge percentage of the population go and there's huge amounts of money for celebrities to be made in it right
2: yeah absolutely like pantomime is big business um it uh uh it's it's wonderful. It has a bit of a bad rep at times, like people think, uh, oh it's so easy or people talk about things being panto um, it's a real art um, and also the thing about panto is it's really quick paced, like you get two weeks to get that show up and running uh, and that means you probably have to block the entire show in six days um, then you get four days in the theatre to get it up and running Wow, that's a pretty rapid turnaround, right? Yeah, really quick. Um, and and because now you're kind of going on... Uh, the the average panto is like a full-scale musical, which yeah. would generally have four weeks rehearsal. And so you're cramming it down into such a small period of time. Um, and then, like, masses amount of people come to see it. Like, I remember uh, one of the first pantos I did was in Reading, uh and it's two thousand seater and so within the first two days something like six thousand people, eight thousand people had seen our show. Uh and you're like, this is insane. Uh and so uh, and I think also one of the best things about Panto is it is generally a child's introduction to theatre. Like yeah. it's definitely uh what I remember my earliest memories of theatre being, uh, being taken to see Panto. Um, and it makes it so special. You, uh, I love watching the audience uh, in a performance just as much as watching the show, because that's how you see if something's working or not. Uh, and in Panto, it's always so magical just seeing these tiny little children completely entranced and joining in the interaction and the booing and, and the cheering, because then you know the story's working. Uh, and so, uh, and also the, the other great thing about Panto is it's just nice to be silly for a bit. Um, uh, it's kind of a, usually, although those two weeks of putting it together are so fierce and relentless, they're usually filled with so much laughter as well. Um, and you just have fun. Uh, and hopefully that translates into the performance as well. Um, when when it, you know
1: Panto season's approaching... Um, I quite often have a look at all my local theatres and and look at which non stage actors they've yes. brought in, into it.
2: How how do you go about picking who you're going to get? <laughs> like- uh, well, generally with pantomime, actually, you just get given a cast. Um, like it's actually pretty much the only time that. As a director, you don't have any say. You just get given here's your cast. <laughs> Make it work, um, which can be quite a challenge at times. Um, and uh, and because you, you never quite know what you're going to get, particularly with some of those people that may be the celebrity casting. Yeah. Um, sometimes you uh, you might know that okay they are an actor already, um, but other times not. Um, a few years ago, I was doing a panto where. Uh, It had a cast full of really seasoned panto people. Like, um, they'd all done a lot of them, were very good, were really caring about the craft and always wanted it to be great. Um, And one of our headliners um, was uh, a member of a boy band uh, who had never set foot on a theatre stage before and had never done any acting before. Um, And uh, on the first day... Uh, sort of, it became clear that it was going to be a bit of a challenge to get him up to the level. But he was so lovely, um, and he really cared about getting it right as well. Um, And rather than turn their noses up about this, everyone else kind of went, yeah, we're going to get you through this. Um, And everyone just really encouraged him, pulled him through. Uh, And by the time it got to the opening night... Um, he was great and our producer actually couldn't believe the transformation from that first rehearsal um, and, uh, and he's gone on to do Panto every year as well so uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge with making it work but in one sense the relentless pace helps a little bit because it just becomes almost like a bubble for these two yeah. weeks um, and by doing it so constantly it kind of accelerates the whole thing
1: if you want me to come along to your panto, then cast somebody who used to be in Neighbours, because I love Neighbours, and I will definitely <laughs> travel the country to go and see Carl Kennedy
2: in a panto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have done panto with a few Neighbours stars actually, so...
1: <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> um, uh, right, so... Um, before you go, I've just got a few more questions to ask. Yeah. What What does the future hold for you? I mean, obviously, we're in lockdown, so it's a bit difficult in, you know in, in theatre to talk about it, but what, you know, what, have you got planned? You know, do you know what you'll be doing in six months and nine months? The uh, well, that ev- it all clears up.
2: Every, everything is a little bit up in the air at the moment, uh, but um, on the assumption that things go back, so uh, when lockdown happened, uh, I had Priscilla Queen of the Desert out on the road, um, which uh, had, and we'd been on tour since September, uh, and that had another 10 weeks to go, uh, and then was going to head to Europe uh, for a month as well. Wow. Uh, and then possibly continue again. Um, so hopefully that production will be back up. And How running. does that
1: work in Europe? Do you do it in English or do you as uh, we well, do, I do it
2: in English? We're going to be in Germany and Monaco um, for the month. Uh, uh, but yes, it completely English speaking production uh, of it, um, which was quite good for everyone and everyone was a little bit daunted at the prospect of learning german for it all um, <laughs> yeah uh, but um so hopefully that production will get back up and running uh, and then after two years rest um we'd just brought the kite runner back um uh, that was at a really early stage they'd just done three weeks of their tour um one week happened to be in dubai which was very great um but the kite runner was just about to be out for another eight months so that's looking tentatively at going out next year instead um so hopefully that will be back up and running and then um panto would have come a knocking uh on the door as well uh so uh yeah we'll see what happens with uh the current climate and everything um to see when things can start Uh, working again
1: So Damien what I want to do is I want to take you back to when you were 18 and you are just walking out of Marchwood Crescent leaving the school Uh, what what advice would you if you could go back somehow and meet yourself and eat and rise would you give yourself at that point?
2: I think it would be trust your instincts um, have confidence in what you uh, what you believe in uh, with it uh, and keep Exploring the ideas, uh, go and see as much theatre as you can, um, talk to as many people uh, as you can about it and immerse yourself in that because every bit of knowledge that you pick up at that time, every person that you talk to will add something to it uh, and give you the foundation to move from later in life brilliant and
1: finally before i let you go how are you coping in lockdown what are you doing what you what's your lockdown kind
2: of strategy if you have one so well my working time in the last few years has been quite uh full-on uh in fact uh the first week of january was my first week off after 52 straight weeks of work wow um and uh i went on holiday uh that week and i came back and uh i went oh my goodness i feel so refreshed i'm like a new human being i must remember to find a bit of time for me every week and of course i didn't do that um so when this happened i took a little philosophical approach Went, this is the second time this year the universe is trying to tell me this um so i kind of i have done a bit of a mixture of things i am keeping myself occupied but at the same time using it to have a bit of a rest as well uh and so my strategy is i kind of have several things on the go um which might be sorting out the cupboard that's been sat there for ages and been (laughs) crying out to be empty um i started learning spanish um i'm doing a lot of cooking um i've started running um Uh, there's a lot of tv programs or theater uh, or books that I've been meaning to catch up on so making my way through those Um, and my kind of thought is everything kind of falls under something organizational something physical something cultural and so on and as long as I do two things a day which might be any of those things um, then I'm happy Uh, and it means that sort of every day can be slightly different I'm not absolutely penned in by a schedule i can decide how i'm uh, feeling that day whether it's going to be quite a, a full-on day of stuff or a little bit more relaxed uh and so on and that kind of means i'm finding that the days go really quick now this is um the beginning of week nine for me um i think it's day 56 or something but i'm always constantly surprised oh it's monday again um yeah i know yeah i get that feeling as well yeah yeah so i and i think it's definitely having the variety of things to do that keeps me occupied uh and then sort of alongside of that there's a lot of facetimes zoom quizzes and so on going on but i think what i didn't want to do is go i must feel every second of the day all the time um or make myself so busy that I need a rest at the end of it. So it's, it's trying to find a nice balance between the two. Brilliant. Damien Sands, uh, Theatre Director, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.